What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Hope you all are having a fantastic weekend. But I've got a lot of free agency news in the NFL to cover, as well as some trades, uh, some pre-draft trades, some swaps of some picks. So a lot to talk about in this episode of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Thank you so much for, for hopping in here. And I'm really going to go through pretty much, not all, but pretty much every team in the NFL, go through their signings and give them a free agency grade based on who they've signed, who they've lost, who they may have traded for or traded away. Uh, And we're going to give some grades. And then in the following episode, uh, we're going to start getting into some mock drafts because it's the end of April or it's the end of March. And, you know, near the end of April, we're going to have our our NFL draft. So I, I need to get ahead and, and get moving on some mock uh, some mock drafts as we get closer and, and really start to see and evaluate what teams need what, what their position needs are, where they would likely go based on who's available. Um, so let's dive into these free agency grades now. And these teams, no particular order. I just kind of went through all the free agent signings, grouped them up by team, and, and here we go. We're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so they re-signed a couple of players. Uh, they kept Calvin Beecham on the offensive line, re-signed Marcus Golden, a linebacker. Uh, but they did lose Hassan Reddick, who was their their leader in sacks last year. I think he had 14 sacks or so. They lost him. Not sure why they didn't at least tag him. They let him go. But they did at least keep some people on the defensive end. Uh, they brought in J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt... You know, if this was 2014, I would have been really stoked for the Arizona Cardinals. But J.J. Watt is in his twilight years now, not the beast he once was, still a Hall of Famer, still good. I think he's going to be more of a veteran presence in that locker room than anything. Two years, $31 million is a little bit of an overpay, I think. But I think you're getting more than just a player. You're getting... The, the leadership in the locker room presence. And you're getting that with two other players as well. They brought in A.J. Green on a one-year deal. So you put him on the opposite side of DeAndre Hopkins. And then you put Christian Kirk there in the slot. They're, the Cardinals are really doubling down on their strength, which is their passing game. You have DeAndre, Hop- DeAndre Hopkins, the best wide receiver in football. Don't at me. He's the best wide receiver in football. Uh, enough with this Devontae Adams crap. Um, he's the only guy in Green Bay that Aaron Rodgers has to throw to. I'm not saying Devontae Adams isn't good. I'm just saying he's not the best in the league. But then you have Christian Kirk who can just absolutely fly. And so I think if you put him in the slot, I think he serves as a Deshaun Jackson type receiver. Then A.J. Green on the other side. Again, I would have been excited for the Cardinals if this was 2014 A.J. Green, but it's 2021 A.J. Green. It's not the best, but it's certainly going to be decent for a year he's not going to play all 16 games more than likely but uh or 17 the nfl is actually going to add an extra season to the season or an extra an extra season to the season an extra game to the season jesus you can't talk and then on the offensive line i would say an upgrade at center they brought in raiders center rodney hudson in a trade barely had to give up anything for him and rodney hudson older he's in his 30s But I think it just provides a little bit of stability for a short-term period of time. Again, another veteran presence in the locker room. So when you add guys like J.J. Watt, 
Rodney Hudson and AJ Green. I think that's more of a locker room culture changer than it is significantly improving your team. Like I said, if this was 2014, this would be a super team in Arizona. Uh, And then they also brought in Lions kicker Matt Prater on a two-year deal. Prater, I think, one of the best kickers in football. So that gives them a lot of stability there too because Zane Gonzalez was hot and cold. Hasn't been that great. So I, I, I like Matt Prater a lot. I would give overall the Cardinals a B- minus for their their signings, their free agency, because they lost Reddick, who I love. But, you know, they brought in some some decent pieces that can work for a year or two. On to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I, they lost Matthew Judon. I think that hurts a, a fair bit. But they did keep some other guys on defense. Derek Wolf at defensive tackle. A couple linebackers. Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee. That's fine. You, you're keeping the core of your defense mostly together, but Judon is a pretty talented linebacker. That's going to hurt a little bit, but the offensive line they they brought in Kevin Zietler or no Kevin Zeitler. And uh, on a three-year $22 million deal brought him in from the giants. That is a really big signing. And that's going to really solidify things up front for Lamar Jackson, allow him to move around uh, more freely instead of being pressured. I, I think it's just, and really offensive line and the running game has been the strength of the Ravens, but I think this just reinforces it and makes it better. Overall, I would give the Ravens a B. For the Buffalo Bills, the Bills, I think, improved in a lot of areas. They lost John Brown at receiver, but they replaced John Brown with Emmanuel Sanders. And I like Emmanuel Sanders more. I think he's more reliable. John Brown can be uh, hurt here and there. I love John Brown as a deep threat, but so they they lose the vertical ability. But I think Emmanuel Sanders is extremely reliable. So I think that's an upgrade, even though you'll lose the vertical threat. Resign one of your offensive tackles, Darrell Williams, to a three-year deal. Sign linebacker Matt Milano to a four-year deal. Resign your offensive guard, John Feliciano. You're keeping your offensive line intact. You bring back Matt Milano. Emmanuel Sanders, and then a backup quarterback, a guy that I think is actually similar to Josh Allen in terms of play style to a degree, bringing in Mitch Trubisky on a one-year deal. I think that's fine. I think they have the same play style in terms of their mobility and playmaking ability. Of course, Josh Allen's got a rocket for an arm. Trubisky is a little bit limited with the arm strength, but I think the play style is there. I think it's actually a perfect fit for Trubisky. I'm surprised Trubisky didn't really get an offer anywhere else to start. If I were the Bears, I would have kept Mitch Trubisky, just given the free agent market for quarterbacks. But overall, the Buffalo Bills, I think they get an A- minus because they keep a lot of things intact, bringing Emmanuel Sanders and Mitch Trubisky, a little safety valve at quarterback. So moving on to the Carolina Panthers, they franchise tagged their best offensive lineman, Taylor Moten. I think that was the primary goal this offseason was to bring back Moten other than trying to clear space to trade for Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun Watson's in a mess right now that we can't even begin to comprehend. There's like over a dozen women that have accused him of, of sexual assault. Uh, so that's a that's a whole mess of a situation right now. And uh, clearly Deshaun Watson is not going to be on the move anytime soon. Who knows? Could even be cut by the Houston Texans and not play for anybody next year. We're staying away from that situation for now. But they bring back Taylor Moten. That's the primary goal. Uh, they also signed Jets offensive guard Pat Elfline. I don't know how they landed him for three years, but three years, $11.5 million, that's pretty cheap. 
um, given how much cap space they had. Bring in a couple linebackers. They got Hassan Reddick from the Cardinals. I love the signing. Helps them out defensively. And last year, every pick for the Carolina Panthers was on defense. And it's a young defense, but it, it helps. Bringing in Hassan Reddick, you bring in Denzel Perryman from the Chargers at linebacker. Now, they lost Curtis Samuel. That hurts their their vertical game and kind of their, their jet sweep game. They run a lot of jet sweeps to Samuel. So losing him hurts a little bit, and they don't don't really know what they're doing at quarterback because Teddy Bridgewater is clearly just not who they want, uh, and Bridgewater's going to have to find a new home or just be the backup. So the Carolina Panthers they're going to have they're, they're probably going to take a quarterback with the with their first round selection. Maybe a guy like Justin Fields falls to them, Trey Lance, one of those guys. I'm going to do a mock draft in another episode and. I'll tell you who the Carolina Panthers are going to get. But overall, the offseason-wise, I, I love what they did with the offensive line and defensively. B+, plus, even though they lost Curtis Samuel. The Chicago Bears able to franchise tag Allen Robinson, even though he didn't really want to sign it initially. I, I believe he ended up doing so. Resigned defensive end Mario Edwards to a three-year deal. That helps him out on the D-line, on the edge. Now, their quarterback situation, Russell Wilson was, a, I guess we'll say in quotations, on the trade market, even though I don't think Seattle was really ever serious about it. Of course, they're going to listen and and sleep on some offers, and I, that's what they did with the Bears. The Bears just don't have the, the draft compensation to land a guy like, like Russell Wilson because they gave up so many picks to get Khalil Mack, so it's just not feasible from the Bears' standpoint. And so given that, I I just I would have sat on Mitch Trubisky because the Bears have made the playoffs in the last handful of years, and Mitch Trubisky's won a lot of games. And sure, he's limited, but Mitch Trubisky fits their offense because he can make plays with his legs. Instead, they bring in Andy Dalton. Now, I'm not hating on Andy Dalton. I love Andy Dalton, but he just does not fit their offense at all because he's more, it's just kind of bland, plain and simple, Three-step draw, pocket passer, Andy Dalton. There's no escapability. Andy Dalton's got a little bit of mobility to him, but it's not to the level of Mitch Trubisky. And with this offensive line, it's not that good in Chicago. Allen Robinson is their really one of their only threats at, at a skill position. You need someone that's going to have to create on their own and Andy Dalton's not that I just don't think Andy Dalton's good but I don't think he's good for the Chicago Bears team Andy Dalton needs to go to a a team that has an offensive line that can protect him and give him time to throw and I just don't think the Bears have that so I don't like the signing even though I think Andy Dalton's a good quarterback so overall I'm gonna give the Bears a D minus and really the only thing that saves them is that they brought back Allen Robinson the Cincinnati Bengals I kind of like what they did they brought in Trey Hendrickson, defensive end for four years, $60 million. That's probably an overpay, but it, the Saints just didn't have the money to bring back Hendrickson. Stole Chidobia Wouzier from the Dallas Cowboys, three years, $21 million. Brought in Mike Hilton from the Steelers at corner, four years, $24 million. Signed an offensive tackle, Riley Reef, for a one-year deal. Now, bringing in guys like, like Hilton and Wouzier, just kind of replacing the guys that they lost. Uh, at those positions, 
it's not flashy, but they're they're plug and play guys that I mean they'll they'll play right away and they're good enough defensively where the the Bengals defense will hold up a little bit. But I really think they needed to address a lot offensive line a little better than that. You know, try to go get like Kevin Zeitler, you know, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher just got released by the Kansas City Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe you get one of those guys. They didn't really address offensive line, and I know that's what they're going to draft with their first overall pick. Not the number one pick, but their first pick in the first round. I know they're going to address it that way, but it wouldn't have hurt to spend some money on the offensive line to help protect Joe Burrow a little better. So overall grade, I'll say C+, maybe a B- minus because I do like Hilton and Awuzie. Cleveland Browns, now I think they had a, one of the best off-seasons off in, in recent history. We know the Browns' offense is good. They didn't really need to worry about anything with that. They brought it. They brought back Rashard Higgins on a one-year deal. That's fine. But their offensive core is pretty much intact. They did a nice job last offseason with some of their offensive signings, you know, bringing in uh, Jack Conklin at tackle, Austin Hooper at tight end. You know, they're fine offensively. But on defense, they brought in safety John Johnson, I think the most sought-after safety in this year's free agent class, three-year deal. Brought in Dakaris McKinley. Not bad on the defensive end. That's just a little bit of depth there. Corner Troy Hill on a four-year deal. So two Rams players they brought in and two of the best players on defense and free agency. Signed defensive tackle Malik Jackson on a one-year deal. This is an A free agent class for the Cleveland Browns. Dallas Cowboys. My Dallas Cowboys re-signed Jordan Lewis and CJ Goodwin, but they lost Chadobia Wuzier. That hurts a little bit, but again, the Cowboys just don't have too much money to play with because... They had to figure out how to uh, how to pay Dak Prescott, and they ended up doing so. Brought in a couple Falcons players that played underneath Dan Quinn in Atlanta, Keanu Neal at safety for a one-year deal, and also another safety, DeMonte Kazee, on a one-year deal. I like Keanu Neal. I think he can start right away. You put him on the other side of Donovan, Will, uh, Donovan Wilson. Uh, they also signed another offensive tackle for some depth, Ty uh, Seki, I think his name is Ty Seki. Not bad. I, I'd, I'd say a C minus. Uh, I mean, they just really didn't do much. Keanu Neal is all right. Um, the good thing is, is that both Neal and Kazee both played under Dan Quinn, and Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator now for the Cowboys. So I think it it'll work. I, the Cowboys usually hit big in the draft. They're one of the best drafting teams in the last ten years. So really, that's where they're going to have to uh, do a lot of damage. And I. I think the Cowboys are mostly going to go defense in this year's draft. Maybe an offensive lineman or two, but I think it's really going to be defensive-centric. C-minus there for the Cowboys. Denver Broncos, I think an underrated free agent class. Resigned Justin Simmons on a four-year deal. That's huge. Exercised the 2021 option on Von Miller. Who wouldn't do that? Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't bring back Von Miller. Brought in Ronald Darby from Washington on a three-year deal worth $30 million. Maybe a little overpay, but I, it's it's really good depth there. Brought in Kyle Fuller, who was cut by the Bears. One year, $10 million. Signed Vikings running back Mike Boone. Uh, and the Viking, or excuse me, the Broncos actually got rid of Philip Lindsay to keep Mike Boone. And then they still have, of course, Melvin Gordon. But I think this is a B-plus free agency for Denver. Uh, I, I like bringing in Darby and Fuller at corner. Resigning Justin Simmons. Vaughn Miller's 2021 option is a little expensive. I think it's around 17 or 18 million dollars. That's a little expensive for a guy that age, but I mean it's Vaughn Miller. You're not gonna I don't think you can just let him walk. And 
Denver, if they would have let Von Miller go, could have gotten a nice compensatory pick in 2022, but again, it's Von Miller. So uh, a B-plus for Denver. Detroit Lions, I mean, this is just a a complete reboot, right? I mean, traded Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, lost Kenny Galladay, weren't interested in re-signing him at the price tag that he wanted. Signed Packers running back Jamal Williams on a two-year deal. Don't really understand that all that much. They have uh, Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, I thought, was a nice number one for them later in the year. I, I don't really get bringing in Jamal Williams, but he's cheap. Traded for Rams defensive end Michael Brockers. It seems like the Lions and, and Rams are like best friends in elementary school, trading sandwiches at lunch or trading snacks. And then they signed Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman on a one-year deal. I mean, this is just a reboot for the Lions. Goff is all right. I'm going to give it a C-plus, which you might think is pretty high. But I'm only giving them a C-plus because of the picks they got in return for Matthew Stafford. The Rams, I really think, overpaid for Stafford, bring, giving up Goff and like three first-round picks. So getting those picks alone, although they might be a little lower, still valuable. C-plus. Green Bay Packers have been largely quiet. They re-signed Aaron Jones, which I think was huge, and it wasn't too much money. I think it's four years, $48 million, so $12 million a year. Really not that bad. But they lost Corey Lindsley at center, which hurts them up front. But like I said, they've been pretty quiet. I think they need to do something on defense, maybe bring back Casey Hayward at corner, a guy that they should never have let go of. Bring him back because he's still on the market. And I think the Green Bay Packers could do with another wide receiver, uh, someone that you can put opposite Devontae Adams that's actually a threat. And obviously the free agent market is pretty much dry now for receivers, and it really wasn't that heavily populated to begin with. I mean, the only guys out there were really you know, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster was out there, I guess. But, I mean, Allen Robinson and... Chris Godwin never hit the market because they were franchise tagged. So that, that kind of hurt their chances at landing one of those guys. I don't think they would have went after either of the, either of those two anyways. Uh, they've got to do something to get another legitimate wide receiver, whether it's a legit number one or a solid number two to put outside of Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams just, I mean, he just gets so many looks defensively that they've got to spread the ball around some other way. Because of how quiet they've been, I'm going to give the Packers a D. Houston Texans have made a lot of signings, made a lot of moves, but I just don't know how how much of an impact they're really going to make. They traded for an offensive tackle from the Patriots, Marcus Cannon, brought in Shaq Lawson uh, in a trade with the Dolphins. I think that that helps them out. And they also and then they traded away a linebacker Bernardrick McKinney. So they brought in Lawson, which I really like. I think that helps defensively for sure. Signed Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. That helps their their backfield. You get a nice tandem at running back. Brennan Christian Kirksey from the Packers at linebacker. Malik Collins from the Raiders at defensive tackle. Now Tyrod Taylor was picked up by the Texans as well. Is he going to be the starter or is he going to be a backup to Deshaun Watson? I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see how the Deshaun Watson situation fleshes out. We'll see. But overall, for the Texans, I think it's a C. Like I like I like the Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay signings at running back, but their offensive line is just not that good. And, and they only brought in one offensive lineman, Marcus Cannon. Shaq Lawson on on defense is is nice, 
overall, I think it's a C, though. I don't, I don't think it really changes their team outlook. Indianapolis Colts. They've had an interesting offseason. Hall of Fame quarterback rides off into the sunset, Phillip Rivers, after one year with the team. And you trade for Carson Wentz. So I that's a real I mean, that's as good a consolation as as you can not even consolation. That's as good of a transition between quarterbacks as you can have in football, I think. So bringing in Carson Wentz, I think, automatically makes it a great offseason for the Colts because it's their franchise quarterback. I'm not a fan of Wentz. I think he's had a down couple years, but he's with Frank Reich again. So we could see him blossom into the quarterback he once was a couple years ago. We'll see. Uh, he's also got a great offensive line in front of him. Great running backs. Marlon Mack, they brought back on a one-year, $2 million deal. They have Jonathan Taylor and all these other guys. So the Colts had a lot of money, but you know they, I think their main objective was just to bring in a quarterback to replace Phillip Rivers, and they did that. So I'm going to give them a B overall, maybe a B plus. Now, Jacksonville Jaguars, this was interesting because they come into free agency with the most cap space out of any team. You know, I think $76 million. And of course... Everyone expects them to take Trevor Lawrence at number one. No one doesn't. There's not one person in the world that thinks they're not going to take Trevor Lawrence. So we already know they're good at quarterback. What they need is wide receiver help. They didn't really get that much of it. But there's a reason for that. But let's just go through all the rest of their signings. They franchise tagged Cam Robinson at offensive tackle. That's nice. On defense, brought in Shaquille Griffin on a three-year deal. Rayshon Jenkins at safety on a four-year deal. Bears defensive tackle, Roy Roberts and Harris on a three-year deal. Resigned Carlos Hyde on a two-year deal. He was with the team prior. They brought in Marvin Jones from the Lions. I think that's a really nice pickup. He's not a number one, but he's he's a good number two receiver. It doesn't look great for the Jaguars. It's, it's almost kind of like a, a big yikes, considering how much money they had in the free agent market for wide receiver. But, I mean, think about it. There wasn't that much out there. The big fish were Allen Robinson and... Chris Godwin, and I think if one of those guys would have hit the market, they would have been all in on one or both of them. And because they were tagged, they didn't really get the chance to offer those top receivers. Marvin Jones is nice. You know, Corey Davis was out there. They could have brought in him, but he's not a clear-cut number one, and Juju Smith-Schuster is not either. So I don't blame the Jaguars in this situation. I think they just worked with what they had available. I think the draft is where they're going to strike. You get Lawrence, and then maybe you get another wide receiver later in the first round, or you use one of your picks to trade up. And I think their free agent class just doesn't look as good due to circumstance. Uh, just That's just the way it is, but I guess I'll just have to give them a C for that. I mean, and it's not even really their fault. So the draft is where they're going to strike. Now, Kansas City Chiefs, when free agency first started, I thought this was a fat yikes. Cutting Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, both of them were hurt for the Super Bowl and didn't play. You cut both of them, and I'm like, man, that's hard to have a a dynasty in the NFL if you don't have your offensive tackles shirt up because they cut both their offensive tackles. That's pretty rough. But you go get offensive guard Joe Thune from the Patriots on a five-year, $80 million deal. Probably overpaid for him, but that really bolsters the, the interior. And then Kyle Long, who played for the Bears, comes out of retirement, comes in on a one-year, $1.5 million deal, really cheap. That's a nice pickup. So the interior of their offensive line is fine. Maybe they use their first-round pick to go get an offensive tackle. So, and then, you know, they released Damian Williams at running back. He didn't even play all last year. 
They're fine without him. Resigned Taco Charlton. That's fine for depth on defense. Overall, I think I would give them an A minus. Yes, they cut their tackles, but they brought in some great value on the interior of their offensive line. They're going to be A okay. Las Vegas Raiders. This is interesting because I think they did well on defense and offensive skill position wise. Brought in Unique and Gokway from the Ravens on a two year deal. Brought in John Brown from the Bills. That's a really nice vertical threat for them. Brought in Kenyon Drake to back up Josh Jacobs on a two-year deal. You re-sign Jonathan Hankins. You bring in defensive tackle Solomon Thomas from the 49ers. That's huge. But they lost a lot of offensive line help. They basically just chopped all of their offensive line, most notably getting rid of Rodney Hudson and sending him to Arizona. So I really think it could have been an A free agent class for... Las Vegas had they kept their offensive line intact, but since they're rebuilding it, I'm going to give them a B minus. Los Angeles Chargers get an A minus because they addressed completely positions of need. Corey Lindsley from the Packers at center on a five year deal, bringing another offensive lineman from the Steelers, and then you signed Saints tight end Jared Cook on a one year deal because you lost Hunter Henry. It hurts to lose Hunter Henry, but you bring in Jared Cook, which I think is a more than fine replacement for a year. Chargers really, though, addressed their needed offensive line. A minus. Now on to the Los Angeles Rams. Traded for Matthew Stafford, which I think is an upgrade, even though they gave up a lot of first-round picks for him. It's an upgrade. Resigned Leonard for- Floyd on a four-year deal. Floyd, uh, for $16 million a year, may not be totally worth that much money, but... He's a good pass rusher. You got to pay pass rushers when they when they come your way. Because of the upgrade at quarterback, I would probably give him a B plus. But I mean, the future of their franchise has been mortgaged for a quarterback in his early 30s with some injury history, mind you. Now on to the Miami Dolphins. I think I think the big thing for the Miami Dolphins is bringing in wide receiver Will Fuller and. Because they traded back in the NFL draft, well, they traded back and then traded up, I really don't think quarterback is one of their main priorities anymore. I think they're going to be fine with Tua Tagovailoa. I think they, they want to keep him in, and let him play some more. And Will Fuller, I think, is going to allow Tua to throw the ball down the field a little bit better because they didn't have a deep threat wide receiver. So you have Devontae Parker, I think a number one receiver, then Will Fuller in the slot. And then you have Mike Kosicki at tight end. I think that helps to a 1 million percent. Now on defense, they traded away Shaq Lawson. They lost Kyle Van Noy to the Patriots. Defensively, I mean, that, that hurts them a little bit. Overall, I would give them a C plus because I don't like what they lost defensively. Uh, and they even acquired an offensive tackle, Isaiah Wilson, from the Titans. And then they got rid of him. So... I don't, I don't know what the Dolphins did there, but, but with the trades that they've made, actually, um, trading back and then trading up. I mean, they've gotten so many first round picks now. I mean, so many, not even so many first round picks, but just so many more picks in general by trading back and then trading back up. They've got so much flexibility with what they want to do. They really hold the keys to the NFL draft, I think. But if, but if you take those trades out of it and just looking at the players that they have acquired, I would give them a C plus. Minnesota Vikings. I mean, been pretty quiet, haven't done too much, but what they've done has been pretty good. Brought in Giants defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson on a two-year deal, and they also signed 
Cardinals cornerback Patrick Peterson on a one-year deal. I think those are A-minus moves. You know what you're going to get from those guys. Patrick Peterson has never missed a game due to injury in his career. These are safe, reliable, productive signings. A-minus for the Vikings. And, and really, at positions of need, defensively, they just haven't been terrific the last couple years. Tomlinson really secures the interior for him. New England Patriots, now they stole free agency within the first two days. So they let Joe Tooney go. That's not fantastic for them, but they spent a lot of money in other areas to address some needs because the Patriots do, for the most part, a pretty good job of developing offensive linemen. They got two tight ends in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, a four-year deal for Smith worth $50 million, three years for Hunter Henry, $37.5 million. Brought in Ravens outside linebacker Matthew Judon on a four-year deal. Brought in Jalen Mills on defense, corner slash safety for four years. A couple receivers that aren't really number ones, but they're competent. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Signed Ted Karras, a center from the Dolphins, for one year. They also re-signed their other center, uh, David Andrews, on a four-year deal. So they have depth there. And they also brought back Kyle Van Noy, who went to the Dolphins for a year or two. Overall, I think this is an A- for the Patriots. And what I what I think the, the best part is, they have Cam Newton back too, which I didn't include in the re-signees. They re-signed Cam Newton, and I think that's fine. I think Cam Newton is a fine quarterback. He, I just don't think he was right last year. I think he was, he was hurt. Shoulder was hurting him. I mean, he was one-hopping balls. So if he's healthy, I think he's fine. And then if you think about it, Cam's MVP year in 2015 when they went 15-1 and and went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Broncos, his leading receiver was a tight end, Greg Olson. So what does Bill Belichick do? Well, instead of drafting tight ends like they did in last year's draft and then flopping or drafting wide receivers and flopping, you bring in the two best tight ends in free agency to help out Cam Newton because Cam loves to throw the throw it to the tight end. And then you've got some competent receivers. Like Nelson Aguilar can be a one, and he'll probably have to be a one, but he's going to be a low-tier one. Kendrick Bourne's competent. This, to me, today feels like a playoff team. You might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I think the Patriots, Patriots went 7-9 and nine last year, and if, that's bad for the Patriots, but considering what they had, I mean, that's pretty good. Not many other teams are going to be able to do that. Not many other coaches, I should say, or organizations. And then they also brought in Trent Brown from the Raiders at offensive tackle. Like, I listen, I think A- minus or an A for the Patriots, and they, they're really going all in on Cam here. And even though they might draft a quarterback like a Mac Jones in the mid-first round, I still think this offense is, is a lot more capable of supporting whoever is behind center. Now to the New York Giants. We just have a handful of teams left here. Resigned Leonard Williams on a three-year deal. And then on offense, I mean, I think they went all in to support Daniel Jones. They brought in Kenny Galladay on a four-year, $72 million deal. Kyle Rudolph at tight end for two years. Devontae Booker at running back to back up Saquon Barkley. John Ross on a one-year deal, who's a speed receiver, just an absolute lightning bolt. This puts the pressure on Daniel Jones now to perform. He's had about... A season and 10 games worth of starts. I think 26 games he started. So with all these weapons now, I mean, it's go time for the New York Giants. It's go time for Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones can't put anything together, 
by midway through the season next year not playing well, then Daniel Jones might get the chop. So this is Dave Gettleman going all in to support Daniel Jones here. Now across the street, the New York Jets, who knows what they're going to do at quarterback if they're keeping Sam Darnold or if they're going to draft a guy like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. But they franchise tag Marcus May. I think he was the best safety in the league last year, a ball hawk. Also on defense, they brought in Carl Lawson from the Bengals on a three-year deal, signed Lions linebacker Gerard Davis, LaMarcus Joyner at safety on a one-year deal. Great signings on defense. Really helped out. Offensively, you bring in two receivers, Corey Davis on a three-year deal and Keelan Cole. Corey Davis, I think had the ta- he has the talent to be a number one, but he's been hurt a lot, so and he's not consistent when he does play. So... I think Corey Davis is certainly better than anyone that they've had at wide receiver in the last couple of years, which is why I like the signing, but I don't think it's like a home run. So overall, I would give the New York Jets an A or an A minus because I thought I think they've gotten great value, especially defensively. Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I mean, they've just been in cap in a cap space nightmare with the the contract that Big Ben Roethlisberger had to rework. And they freed up some money, but they had to let go of Vince Williams on defense. They were they were able to bring back offensive tackle Zach Banner, which you know it's nice to keep him there. It helps. Kept Cameron Sutton at corner, and and that helps too, especially losing Mike Hilton. I don't know how they were able to manage keeping Juju Smith Schuster on a one year eight million dollar deal. I mean, he's definitely worth more than that. Probably should have gotten more like 14 or $15 million from a team, even though I don't think he's a clear-cut number one. I don't know how the Steelers managed to do it, though. But overall, I think I would give them a C-plus just because they've they've lost a lot lost a lot on defense. And they're just, I mean, they're, caps, they're just in a cap-space nightmare. The San Fran 49ers, San Francisco, brought back Kyle Juszczyk at fullback best fullback in the league and they utilize him very well so of course they're going to bring him back they brought in uh, Samson Ebukam from the Rams like him as a defensive end re-signed Jason Verrett at corner re-signed Trent Williams at left tackle six-year deal worth 138 million dollars a lot of money for a guy who's a little up there in age but man is he good Signed Falcon center Alex Mack. I mean, this is just, this is a good offensive line. And then, interesting to note, not including this in my overall offseason grade, but free agency grade, but they traded up from number 12 to number 3. What does that tell you? I'll give you the answer at the end of the show here. But overall, with the players that they have re-signed and acquired, I would give them a B plus. Seattle Seahawks. Resigned Chris Carson at running back. I mean, I don't know what else you can do there. Signed Rams tight end Gerald Everett. They haven't really had a consistent tight end in Seattle, so I like the signing at one year. Offensive line, they just need a lot of help. Brought in Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. I mean, that's all, though. And then they signed 49ers corner and Kella Witherspoon on a one-year deal. Overall, I, I would probably give the Seahawks a, a D. I mean, they're just not helping out the offensive line. And it's kind of a mess between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll right now. So uh, probably a D for the Seahawks. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
they somehow managed to keep absolutely everybody. Resigned Shaq Barrett, resigned Levante David, resigned Rob Gronkowski, resigned Ryan Suckup at kicker, resigned Adamican Sue, franchise tag Chris Godwin. How they were able to get everybody to kind of take pay cuts and keep every keep the band together for another run. I don't know how they did it. It's a testament to Tom Brady reworking and restructuring his contract. A plus for the Bucks. I mean, they're they appear loaded and primed for another run at back to back Super Bowls. Tennessee Titans. I I don't know what Tennessee has really been thinking this offseason. They brought in Bud Dupree from the Steelers, uh, and I love that for them on a five year deal. Brought in Danico Autry from the Colts. But they got rid of Adoree Jackson. They lost one of their offensive tackles, Dennis Kelly. They're going to bring in Janoris Jenkins at corner. That's going to replace Adoree Jackson. But again, he's older and not as good. Signed Brown to corner, Kevin King. Resigned Jalen Brown at linebacker. But they lost Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. So I just... They've added and subtracted in areas. And I... Overall grade, I say a C-. minus. And then finally, the last team, the Washington football team, franchise-tagged offensive guard Brandon Sheriff. Love that for them. Signed Bengals corner William Jackson on a three-year deal. That's good for their defense. And then they brought in Curtis Samuel, which I love. It's an element that the Washington football team doesn't really have in their offense. Now, the most impactful signing, I think, is Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one-year $10 million deal. I don't know how much I love that for Washington. He's going to start, but I just don't think he fits their offense. I love what Taylor Heineke did. I mean, he was an injury away in a playoff game to the Tampa Bay Bucks from winning. I mean, they were down five, I think, with the ball with like five minutes left. I mean, Tyler Heine- Taylor Heineke almost knocked off Tom Brady, and we wouldn't be sitting here having this discussion right now. And, and Fitzpatrick just doesn't do the things that Heineke does. I think... I would have just rolled with Heineke to start the season. Or maybe you draft a quarterback. Or maybe you start with Kyle Allen. I don't know. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, like this is going to be an A offseason for Washington for the first four games of the season because that's how Ryan Fitzpatrick rolls. Fitch Magic is money and just straight fire for four games. But then after the first four games, the football team's going to realize why Fitz Magic is on his ninth team in 17 years. So their real grade is probably going to end up being a D. Now to close it out with these trades, we had a couple trades in the NFL draft order. So the San Francisco 49ers traded up from 12 to 3. And the Miami Dolphins then you know moved back to 12, but then traded up to 6 with the Philadelphia Eagles. And now the Eagles are outside the top 10. So what does this mean? For the 49ers, moving up to number 3, I think clearly signifies that they're going quarterback. They've said they don't have any plans to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo, which of course they're going to say that, but they're going to be moving off of Garoppolo. So who do they take at number three? Well, you're assuming Trevor Lawrence is obviously going to the Jags, which leaves you Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. If the Jets go quarterback, they're going to go Zach Wilson, which means the 49ers are looking, I would say they're looking to get Justin Fields at number three in the draft. I would be stunned if they did not take a quarterback. I think it's fields all the way. You don't trade up to number three with the quarterback talent that we have in this draft. There's just no way. Their, their offensive line is good enough. Skill possessions are are fine. I don't I don't think they need 
I mean, they, they could do with a receiver, but I don't think they're going to draft a guy like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase at number three in the draft. I just don't see it. And defensively, they're getting guys back on defense. So I just don't, I see them taking quarterback because of Jimmy Garoppolo's injuries. For Miami, what does it tell you by trading back to 12? Well, that clearly means that they're fine with Tua. They don't need to uh, draft a quarterback at number three. And ideally, I think Miami would have loved to use the number three pick to trade to Houston, trade it back to Houston to get Deshaun Watson. But now they're clearly not going to do that. They brought in Will Fuller, and they're going to ride with Tua. That's fine. But then you trade it up to number six with the Eagles, and the Eagles wanted to move up to three instead to get Zach Wilson, which I don't think that, uh, which I don't think they would have gotten a number three, because I think the Jets are probably going to take. Zach Wilson. So moving up to three, I don't think really would have done too much because then you would have been left with Justin Fields. And I don't know if Philly really wants that. And I don't really know why they're wanting to draft a quarterback because they have Jalen Hurts, who played really well through four or five games for the Eagles at the end of the season. Not sure why they would want a quarterback, but now you back out of the top 10 and now they're clearly playing, let's go get a wide receiver. And for Miami, moving back up to six, Obviously not going to be in range for one of those top three quarterbacks. I don't think they wanted any of them anyways. So now you use number six to probably draft Devontae Smith. You get a legitimate number one or number two receiver. You put on the opposite side of Devontae Parker. You have Will Fuller on the slot. And for the Eagles, you know, they're going to settle for a guy like Jalen Waddell, who a lot of people argue is the best receiver in the draft, but he's injury prone, I think. Probably you might get him at 12. I think that's what that means. 49ers getting a quarterback, Dolphins, and Eagles are trading back for wide receivers. But thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Will Ford Show for my free agency grades for the majority of NFL teams. Uh, some teams didn't make the cut because they just haven't really done anything um, notable. Uh, some teams didn't really have the cap space to do much. So um, like teams like the Falcons and the Saints didn't make the cut just because... I haven't really done anything. So appreciate you tuning in. And in the next episode, we're going to do a mock draft. Who knows? Might try and get Alec Bell on here because he loves NFL mock drafts. Maybe we'll do a back and forth. I draft number one. He drafts number two, so on and so forth. Uh, but we're going to do some mock drafts in the next episode. We'll see you in episode 124. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. 